Football Me a Fight, where an American who knows a lot about sports but little about soccer journeys through the 2018-19 Premier League season to discover a team to root for. All right, welcome to this week's episode of the Football Neophytes podcast. Chris is finally here with me. He's still drinking alcohol, though. Yeah, buddy. And we are actually sitting on my patio. It's a very comfortable, probably 85-degree May in Phoenix, Arizona. And we are joined here in person, which is so rare, all three of us together, uh, by Nick Johnson, he is a fan of Leicester City Football Club. It's not Leicester. Uh, it's Leicester. <laughs> Leicester City Football Leicester? Club. Leicester? Leicester. 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 Leicester City. Nick, welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, man, it's so good. It's, it's great to do the phone interviews or through the internet, um, but it's way better to be able to look you in the eyes and have you here in person and share drinks together. So we're glad it's to have you. Fun. Yeah. Um, Nick is my one and only fan. And I say that because he is the only person who emailed me saying, hey, I'm listening to your blog, or your podcast. I really enjoy it. And so it's great to have my one and only fan also represent his club. So it's quite an honor. Do I get like a certificate or something? Yeah, for... it's coming in the mail okay. <laughs> after the season. Which is, it's good for me to meet him too, because I always wondered who's the one guy listening to this <laughs> thing every week. It's Nick. You get the guy who we interviewed. So there's always two <laughs> listens. Yeah, yeah. There's the guy we interviewed, and then there's Nick. So yeah. we're really thankful uh, for you sticking with us. Um, Nick, tell us how'd you, you're an American, obviously, from Chicago, um, living in Phoenix. How did you become a fan of Leicester City? Yes, so it's uh, actually a long story, but I'll give you guys a short version. Um, so I grew up playing soccer my whole life um, in Chicago, so indoor, outdoor, all year round. Um, didn't really play other sports. Continued playing soccer up into high school, um, and that was pretty much my life growing up, was soccer and family and school. and. Um, Got into junior, senior year of high school, and things started to change for me in terms of soccer with varsity and just players becoming more competitive and getting better than me. And um, when I was younger, I always had like the height advantage, and people eventually caught up to me. <laughs> and so that and many other reasons, um, I just found myself playing less and less in high school. And um, you know, I think also with my parents pressuring me to want wanting me to play in college and and with that kind of coupled with um, not really playing as much anymore, I kind of just began to lose my love for the game. And um, I'd say after senior year, it was about a 10-year period where um, I didn't play or follow soccer. Um, so probably about 18 to 28. Um, I don't even remember watching a soccer match, like any MLS games or anything, going to games, um, didn't play like college rec or anything. Um, so it kind of wounded me and it kind of burned me a little bit at that ten for those 10 years. That's how Chris has been with reading. Like once school ended, <laughs> I don't think Chris has read a book for well, 10 to 15 years. For the record, I didn't read in school either. <laughs> good point, good point. So 
It's been a continuation. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. <laughs> well, I'm more – let's say you're 16 years old. You're in high school. What soccer were you watching? Um, you know, at that time – Like, like were you was, an early adapter to the MLS? Yeah, like, and so the Chicago Fire actually they're one was playing in – our hometown where I grew up in Naperville. Uh-huh. Um, they played at one of the colleges there. So they are playing most of our home games. So it was like a five-minute walk from our house. Okay. So definitely like watched Chicago Fire growing up. And like the Chicago Fire started like a Chicago Fire Academy when I was around 10, 11, 12 okay. years old. And um, not that I played with them, but like there was kind of that movement starting in the Chicago area. All right. That makes a lot more sense because – Growing up in Phoenix, we had no soccer. Yeah. Um, and the MLS was just kind of a joke to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I remember some of my teammates, like on my traveling teams, you know, they had their, my teammates, their coach, their dads were coaches, and they would have channels where we could walk, catch like a European game every now and then, you know. Um, but anyway, I guess so to connect how that dark period of my life with soccer. <laughs> Ran me into Leicester City. Um, at some point, about three years ago, uh, my wife took me to California for my birthday, and she surprised me with tickets to one of the uh, International Champions Cup. Oh yeah! Games. Uh, and it happened to be Paris Saint Germain facing Leicester, and I had never heard of Leicester up until that point. I had no Why idea would that you they have had just won the Premier League? Um, so this is right at, so this is right after they'd won the summer after, Okay. Yeah. Like months after. Yeah. So this was like, I think it was July 31st they were in LA. Okay. Um, and so we were at the game and it was mostly PSG fans, flags, chanting. It was covered in red. Um, and Lester was awful. They, I think they <laughs> lost like four nil. Oh wow. Um, but there was something about like just being there at that game and watching Lester struggle, like I really identified with them hmm. uh, that night. And that kind of led me on my journey towards like soccer kind of being redeemed in my life. Um, huh. As I learned more about the club and the players. Um, was Jamie Vardy on the team then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and he's one in particular that I really started to like resonate with and like kind of see myself in him and his story. Um, you know, how he was so overlooked by other clubs and, um, how he basically was one of the main key people to lead them to their title. and um, So that's kind of the shortened version of how I found Lester and in some ways how they kind of found me. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I love it. Um, tell us a little bit about their history. So I think, I think if you're a casual sports fan in America – you know the Leicester City story. You may not know how to pronounce the name, <laughs> no. but you but you know because it's like this five thousand to one yeah. odds to win. They were actually projected to get relegated, right? Yeah. Going into that season, then they yeah. win it all. I mean, it's a remarkable yeah. story. So I think even the casual fan understands that, but probably has no understanding of them beforehand. So yeah. tell us some of the history. How long have they been in the the Premier League currently? Um, and it, yeah. even like, is, I'm assuming Leicester, is Leicester a city or is it called Leicester city? Like yeah, those yeah. are all, where is Leicester? Like we don't know yeah. any of that stuff. So help right. us so learn us. My before friend. we get into all that fun fact today, when we're recording is actually the three year anniversary of when they won the title. 
Oh wow! So okay, that worked out. Not that's that, perfect. You know, cheers! You cheers! Probably to planned that on purpose. We did. We yeah. were so we we're so um, <laughs> so much forethought. Yeah, those five thousand to one odds. Um, yeah. So Leicester is a city in kind of the Midlands area of England. So around them, to the north, they have like Nottingham. To the west is like Birmingham. Um, Dirt. Darby County's in that area as well. Um, like Wolverhampton, Wolverhampton too. Like yeah. that, in that so, kind of in yeah. between Liverpool yes. and London. Yes. Like somewhere in that way. In the middle of those okay. two, basically. Got it. Um, they are actually a city known for rugby more than uh-huh. football or soccer. Um, their rugby team is actually pretty popular and more known than uh, Leicester City Football Club until maybe they won the title and that kind of took over. Yeah. Um, they've kind of been an up-and-down club over the years. They've been in the Premier League. They've been in Championship. They've been down a little bit further, up and down. Um, they started back in, like, the 1880s. Um, like a group of uh, schoolboys in, like, Bible schools started a club called Lester Fosses, and uh, eventually that turned into the Foxes. Okay. I was wondering where the foxes. Yeah, name and so came the foxes from. comes from uh, in Leicestershire, that county. They have a lot of foxes there, and fox hunting is very popular. Uh, Seems so British to me, right? <laughs> Are they, I'm assuming they're on horses with those with guns, guns, with like the big yeah. barrel, like. Yes, and so we have Leicester City Football Club, and they're the foxes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes, but obviously, uh, I think. The obvious high of their club history is their Premier League title. Um, but back in 19, I believe it was 29, they finished only one point off of the Premier League title. Oh, wow. Not that it was called the Premier League title. Yeah. Like them, but they finished uh, second place by one point. So they've had some success in the past, but nothing like uh, recent history. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also main highlight is reaching the quarterfinals of the Champions League after the next season after their Premier League title, uh, they went out against Atletico Madrid, but that was, uh, that was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, Tell us a little bit, obviously recent history, the tragedy this year has really mm-hmm. marred the season. Um, I, as Americans and as maybe new fans, how have you experienced that um, with the death of their chairman? Um, how is, how is, what's that been like as a fan this year? Yeah. Um, I guess as a fan, it's different when you're not living in that city. Yeah. You feel a little bit distant from it. Um, there's only so much you can kind of read and take in. Um, but I think obviously, um, a huge tragedy and he's, you know, Kun Vichai, um, was someone that took Lester from, kind of an up-and-down club, just a club that could stay in the Premier League for decades, you know? Yeah. Um, he's someone that's invested heavily, not just in the football club, but just the city mm. of Leicester. Um, it was really cool, you know, after his death, to read about all the um, the people that came out and had all these amazing things to say about him, which is not typical of football owners. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. He, I mean, he had given millions to local charities in Leicester, hospitals, um, little things like on his birthday every year um, for home games, he'd give away a free pint of beer to everyone who had a ticket who was of age. Um, the players talked about him like he was a family member, mm-hmm. like and how they, 
he treated them like family. And again, it kind of goes back to that idea of he took these guys in when no one really wanted them and kind of built them to be what they are now. Um, so a huge tragedy. Um, it'll be neat to see how his son kind of carries on that vision. Um, his son's kind of always been the more passionate one about football, uh-huh. um, specifically. And so, um, he's left an amazing legacy. Um, and again, I think it, it speaks volumes when the people, uh, the fans of Lester, um, have nothing bad to say about him in the wake that, um, he was just an amazing man and left a, quite a legacy. Do you know how long he owned the team or like yeah. had a managing control of it? So he took over um, Leicester City in 2010. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And has he been, I, you know, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of kind of controversy or people have different opinions of these like billionaire owners coming mm-hmm. in and just dumping. I mean, Man City's obviously the, yeah, the one who takes the yeah. biggest hit, but was that kind of his strategy as well as putting a lot, investing a lot of money into the team to then rise, raise them up. Yeah. I think one of the main things that um, maybe is a difference between him and other billionaire owners was um, that he was also, he was present in Leicester. He spent most of his time in Leicester. Uh-huh. Um, they obviously have family and connections to Thailand, but he spent a lot of time in Leicester connecting with the people. And um, But yeah, I mean, there was, you know, I don't know the exact number, but they definitely poured money into that team, you know, especially when they came up in the championship to just continue building. But um, even a lot of the players that were part of that, the championship, uh, you know, the second division, a lot of those players were still on that same team when they're in the Premier League. Uh huh. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of turnover, so yeah. Um, during the match, uh, the common the commentators mentioned like a youth movement. Yes. Can you yes. tell us anything about that? Yeah, um, it's really exciting as a fan. I mean, you got. I mean, again, in the game against Arsenal this weekend, they had five players starting that were under twenty two. Oh, wow. 22 or under. Yeah. Um, so a lot of youth. You know, we got Yori Tielemans is on loan right now, um, 22. James Madison, 22. Uh, Chudri. Uh, yeah, Chudri. Big hair, right? Yeah, the big 21. hair guy. Beautiful hair. <laughs> the first thing I noticed. Like, that's a guy I can can't get miss behind it. right on there. The field. Oh, no. Yeah. Was that his first start? No, he started three I, times this year. Okay, I watch Not games. Lot, I watch these games, you know, at West Coast. Is, yeah. They're like four. I know. That game, early. that match particularly was four in the morning. Yes, it was. And my whole family's <laughs> sleeping. So I've got like the TV on at like very yeah. low volume. And I'm like Amazing. sitting there watching, trying to stay awake <laughs> and like trying to hear what the British commentators are saying. Yeah. And so I didn't under. I, I wasn't sure if it was his first start. It mentioned that there was like young guys, right? So yeah, he's only played like four hundred some minutes this year, so not a lot. Um, but Brandon Rogers in the it was before the match or after the match, I can't remember which one um, was talking about um, asthma, trudery, training, and how he's been liking what he's seen from him, and also wanting to give the younger guys experience versus the top six clubs. Uh huh. Um, which, you know, they had Arsenal at the weekend, and then they finished with Man City and Chelsea. So 
Oh, I think wow, that's a tough run at the end. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, definitely tough. But I think he's looking at, like, look, we're going to be mid-table. Yeah. Um, let's give these guys some experience. And, um, you know, Damari Gray was on the bench, but he came in after halftime. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that. Is He's yeah. normally a starter, I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, right? he's okay. played, I think, over 60% of the minutes okay. this season. Um, but I think, you know, they made – Shudery came out. Gray came in. So I think it seems like he's just trying to give young guys time. And yeah. you know, Harvey Barnes, to me, is an exciting player. He's 21. Um, there's a lot of exciting youth players that if they can hold on to, they could have a lot of success in the short term. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, going to probably always be the case of a mid-table team. Like, can they keep yeah. the guys together, right? Yeah. yeah. And that'll be interesting, you know, this summer when the transfer market opens up and then even the next transfer window, kind of, you know, with Vichai's son now kind of leading and now Brendan Rodgers, like, what direction do they go? Are they okay selling off players like they have in the past or are they going to hold on to these guys and try to make a run at Europe and, you know, finish 6th, 7th, yeah. being in Europa League, which Brendan Rodgers has already hinted, like, that's that's our goal. We want to be in Europe uh-huh. um, next year. So, but I mean, traditionally Leicester's had a hard time holding on to some of the players. Like think of uh, like Ngolo Conte when he was with them their Premier League uh-huh. season. I mean, they bought him for five million and sold him to Chelsea for thirty two. Yep. Uh, Riyad Mahrez, they bought him for half a million. Oh wow! Sold him to Man City for over like sixty million. So like they they're good at making a profit. Yeah, a lot like um. Um, the team Christian Pulisic's on. Oh, Borussia Dortmund. Oh, Dortmund, yeah. Yeah, Dortmund, similar template, right? They find good talent, they sell them off for a high price. Uh-huh. So there's a fine line, you know, if you want to make a push for Europe, you got to be able to hold on to some of those players. Or reinvest that money or reinvest. into other players, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens this summer, who they hold on to, who they get rid of, who they bring in. So yeah, we will see. I'm I'm currently looking at afros on Google. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder though. I'd love to ask Chowdhury. Like, does it affect your header? Because that there is so much hair that it can't not have like an the effect. The ball could get right? stuck in the middle of his hair. It's so true. Like I mean, anyone listening to this, if you haven't seen him, <laughs> you need to Google him. It's it amazing. Is. Like, yes. I ended up looking at the. Um, History of Sports Greatest Afros webpage, and I put his at number one. Like it's yeah. wow, phenomenal. Yeah, there's not. I don't know if there's a better afro out yeah. there. It is. It's money. Yeah, it's money. It's like Coco Crisp had that one a few years ago for the A's. Yeah, it's like that, but way better. Way bigger. bigger. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to die. I'm a happy man. Uh, any other players or things that we should know about the club um, that that as you've become a fan and spent more time understanding the club that you're like, this is what I love about them. This is what continues to endear my heart to them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I guess first off, just players-wise, like um, this season for me, Madison and Telemans have been really exciting to watch. And Telemans is on loan from Monaco. But um, is there a chance that they'll keep him? Yeah, hopefully. I yeah. hope so. Yeah, we'll see. Um, he seems like he wants to stay, uh, especially because Monaco's. Where's he from? 
Belgium. Belgium. He's Belgian. Yeah. Okay. So he's been on the Belgian national team okay. recently. But um, young guy, exciting. Him, uh, Madison and Vardy connect really well, like that triangle. And that's what it kept causing trouble for Arsenal. Well, that's what I noticed like, in the game. Like, Madison had that great uh-huh. uh, pass to Tillman yes. for the goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the three of them connect really well and work really well. And so I, those two in particular are really exciting for me to watch. But like I said, there's so many. Vardy is always fun to watch because he's just unpredictable. Yeah. And like even that goal from Schmeichel to Vardy on Sunday, like, what? Yeah. What just happened? Like, Arsenal kind of blew it. But he's just exciting to watch because he kind of, he does different things all the time. And um, so anyway, um, but yeah, I think for me, just kind of what's exciting is um, they seem to be going in a good direction, you know, like bringing in Brendan Rodgers and all the young talent that they have. Um, they're never going to be, I don't think, like a top six club that's, it's not, I don't know if they're ever going to be uh, Man City, Man United, you know, but I kind of like that about them, that they're kind of going to have their backs up against the wall and they're going to have to fight. And what they do, they go out against, you know, those top six clubs and, and they can beat them. Um, so that's mostly um, what I love about them. Is, yeah, they're just fighters. Yeah. Yeah. So along the lines of looking to the future, who who takes over as the owner and chairman of the club? Like, is it his family that, that inherits the team and they get to run it? Or what happens from that aspect? Uh, that's a really good question. I'll share what I know. Um from what I understand, his son, uh, so Vichai's son and daughter are, are on the board, um, but there's also other members that, uh, that are on the Leicester City board. So they kind of make decisions as a board, um, but his son seems to be like becoming the, the, the new face of ownership, um, kind of stepping in his dad's footsteps. So I think it's definitely, it's not just his son moving forward with the club, but um, his son seems to be the one that wants to step into that role, but he has a board that kind of keeps him in check. And Does he seem like he's going to be competent? Um, I think so. I think he, he was basically his dad's right-hand man since okay. they bought Leicester City. Um, anytime you look at a photo of um, his dad, you'll see his son right next to him uh, at training, at games. Um, he seems like he was dad kind of brought him in on the inside kind of knowing eventually this will probably be passed on um and obviously it just happened sooner than expected but um he seems to me competent again i think his son knew way way more about football than dad but dad's a businessman uh-huh. uh so dad had that knowledge but yeah i mean i guess time will tell but yeah i think this summer will be interesting right mm-hmm. i mean you'll we'll see the first like phase of what his philosophy is yeah. for running yeah, the club definitely. if he's got the majority of uh, yeah. sway with the, right. with the right. club. It's just so interesting to think of like the United States history of like owners passing away and then their kids taking over mm. and for the most part it's, it's been a disaster in yeah. American sports like you look at when Jerry Buss passed away and mm. left the Lakers to Jim Buss and it was yeah. like he got like maybe three and a half years, and the rest of the fans like, "Oh my gosh, he's the worst!" And his own family overthrew him, yeah, kicked him out. And now Jeannie, the daughter's running the Lakers, and it's already a disaster under her. Yeah, and it's just like 
you know, it's scary when you got these like great businessmen who build this incredible wealth to where they can actually purchase a club, a professional sports team, and then they pass away, and it's like their yeah. kids who's had everything handed them and you know on a silver plate take over, and it's like you just hope they don't run it into the ground. You wonder too how how uh, his son will if his son. I think your best case scenario, right, is if his son is the football fan and mm-hmm. wants to win and doesn't view it as much of a business, he may not. <laughs> like you see, if 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 the businessman says, "I bought this player for five million, I can sell him for thirty-two, mm-hmm. he's going to do that all day long. All day. Yep. The football fan says, "I bought him for five. I'm going to buy another guy for five and another guy yeah. for twenty and use all the profits from a different sale to make the team better. Yeah. Right. So I think as a fan, I imagine you hope that's the strategy, right? Yeah. Is yeah. not as much like a business and more like a team that wants to win. And obviously, yeah. um, I did the, did a great job because he brought a title to Lester. Yeah. So, um, he was obviously smart in what he was doing. Yeah. And you know, even before, uh, I died, he, they un- revealed plans, which they're working on right now, building a new training ground. Uh, it's, you know, $100 million training ground that's supposed to kind of compete with all the, you know, the top six, so to say. Um, so I think Leicester's always kind of, since 2010 when Vichai came in, they've had a long-term plan. And I think things progressed maybe quicker than they expected. Um, but I think they're trying to make sure that they're here to stay, you know, and not be like we said, up and down club. So, yeah. Tell us what is what is their stadium like? Is it? Have you been? Have no, you got to go it is yet? On my list. So oh, my man. goal is within two years to be there. Nice. Yes. Is it a new state? Is it within the like world of new stadiums, or is it um, um, like a more historic stadium? It's or or it's ground, kind of grounds. A, a, yeah, Sorry. It's kind of yeah. a mix. Um. So it's King Power Stadium. Uh, and that was. They moved into there in 2002. Okay. Um, um, every time that I've watched a game, it's always full. Uh, seats around 34,000. They have plans to expand one of the ends so that it can fit 40,000. Um, but that's kind of after they finish their training ground because um, that obviously costs a lot of money. But, um, you know, one of my favorite moments of that stadium that I've witnessed from afar is um, – when they had a home game for the Champions League quarterfinals, you know, they, they went all out and they had a big black, um, you know, fox coming down from the stands. Oh, sweet. Um, and then they had like black, you know, all over the seats. So it was kind of like a blackout. Um, and it was just cool because like, I don't even know the last time they were in the Champions League or if at all. Like it was just, yeah. like you felt like a special moment. Like, man, well, that must have been amazing to be there. Yeah. So. That's, that's a, that's an interesting that's an interesting piece of I, – I noticed that with the Huddersfield Town interview. Like mm-hmm. that guy was talking about how exciting it was to have Man U come and play at their grounds or uh, Arsenal. And they're like, I don't know when we're going to see these clubs again. Maybe in an FA Cup match or maybe in Carabao or something. Yeah. But Well, it's not going to be next year. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> It's not going to be next year. That's for sure. Um, Sorry, I just feel that. Um, but I think I think that's like the unique nature of of the sport is you've got this moment. If you're not one of the top six clubs, 
you've got this moment and you make it to a certain level of yeah. FA Cup. You know, you see mm-hmm. that with Watford right now, right? Yeah. The Watford fans are going nuts because they're in the finals, yeah. you know? Um, and I imagine the same with Leicester. Quarterfinals yeah. of Champions League for a team that is yeah. traditionally mid to bottom table mm-hmm. or not yeah. always in the even League. the Premier yeah. League. So, yeah. no, that's that's cool. Um, is there uh, – who are your rivals? Or is there a natural, like, dar- is there a derby that is kind of well-known? Yeah, not like, you know, Man United, Man City. Um, so Nottingham Forest is kind of the main rival of Leicester. Okay. Um, you know, they're just north of Leicester. Um, the second maybe main rival is uh, Coventry City. Okay. Um, they're only 24 miles away from Leicester. Um they haven't been in the same league for quite some time, I don't think. And then Derby County is another one, but most Leicester fans don't consider that a rival. It's really Nottingham and Coventry City. Uh-huh. So, you know, nothing within the Premier League right now. Yeah. Um, although Derby could be coming up. Yeah, Derby's like right on the cusp right yes. now. Yeah. They'll probably make the playoffs, I think, yeah. of the championship. Yeah. I haven't seen if there's there was even championship matches today, so I don't know where there things stand. I don't think there no. were. But I don't think they have like one one more game, I think. Yeah, one or two matches yeah. left, yeah. Um, how about chants or songs? Do they have one that's like the song? You know, like you got yeah. You Never Walk Alone is Liverpool. You know, yes. there's, there's like yes. certain songs. And if not, if there's not like a classic one that they walk out to every time they come on the pitch, um, maybe what's a chant that you have heard that you liked, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of the things that whenever I get a chance to go to King Power, I'm looking forward to is kind of um, learning the songs there and uh-huh. kind of joining in with that. Um, I have not kind of researched or listened to that really much. Uh-huh. I know that there's one, you can kind of hear it whenever their games are featured. Um, they repeat, like, we are the foxes, we are the foxes. Um, that's kind of all I can make out. Yeah, so, <laughs> totally. Uh, it's not the best. But, um, but yeah, I'm kind of actually... More so looking forward to, like, experiencing that firsthand. Yeah. More so than learning it ahead of time. So it's not, what does the fox say? It's not, no. That is actually not a Leicester City song. Okay. Oh. Could be confused, though. Could right. be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there a Leicester City bar in town? No. There's, There's actually no Leicester City group in Phoenix. Wow. Unfortunately. Which is not that surprising, right? I mean, I think the va- you've got... The bit, the top six. Yeah. There's probably a Fulham. Yeah. Because Fulham has a big U.S. Yeah. team like group. Mm-hmm. And after that, but I don't. There's I don't potential know. to start one. That's true. Depending on what happens here. <laughs> I know a guy. Um. Before we move on, any anything that you would say, like, hey guys, this is why you should choose Leicester City. Um, like last ditch effort. Last and, and keep in mind, I have a small pool of teams I get to choose from. That's true. That's true. And you're high on the list already. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're at least top five. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like Leicester is unique in the sense that um, they kind of reflect what most people's lives look like. Like they're not. Um, Things don't get handed to them. You know, like, um, they are 
mid-table, they kind of have to work with what they got, and um, they have not had this great inheritance of being one of the top known clubs around the world. Like, they've had to kind of earn what they have, and again, I think for me, that connects with me in my life, but I think it connects to a lot of people. Um, so, I'm not a salesman, and <laughs> I would never try to sell something to you, um, but I, I feel like what's cool is that when there's a connection made, uh, it kind of just flourishes from there. So, yeah, Lester, whoever else, um, I'm excited for both of you. Yeah, whatever team that's going to be. So, are you excited? You know, right now they're in the eighth position. Yeah, which has value. Does. Um, they're a, a point up with two value. to play. Uh, how, like, are you excited that they're in that position, or do you just kind of go like, I wish we were top four? I mean. What's your thought about being an eighth eighth seed right now? Um, mixed emotions, yeah, mixed feelings. I think part of me is bummed because there are so many games this year that they could have gained more points on. Uh, games that they were up that then they drew or lost. Um, games that they lost that they should at least have a point from. Um, there was a point in the season where they were only like eight, nine points off of Man Manchester United. Um, when they were struggling, so like, there's a part of me that's like, man, we could have hit, we could have scratched six, you know, maybe. Um, yeah. Seventh seems like it's in sight, which has value. It potentially could be a Europa, Europa League uh, playoff spot, depending on other variables. But so part of me is bummed in that sense that there there could have been a lot more points in this season, but also given. The amount of managers that we went through this season, given you know Vichai's death, there was a lot that Leicester City kind of had dropped in front of them um, that I feel like they handled well, and eighth actually isn't that bad of a spot given all the cards they've been dealt this year. Um, so yeah, bummed, but also like it's not bad. Yeah, yeah, but. They also have Man City and Chelsea left, yeah. so yeah. that eight could turn into like eleven real quick. Real quick. <laughs> yeah, but if it turns well, into a seven, you guys had one hell of a finish. Yeah, yeah, that's true. For sure. For sure. Yeah, Liverpool will be happy probably. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be a fun game to watch. Man City and Leicester. Oh yeah. Well, Man City, Leicester, and then I think Liverpool finishes with uh, Wolverhampton. So there's some tough, like, yeah. there's some tough, That's interesting not... matches. And Wolverhampton has one of the best records against top six they this do. season. Yep. So. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. All right, well, every week we like to feature a term of the week, um, something that maybe Americans won't know. There's so many British and even <laughs> regional, regional terms. Um, and so why don't you, you give it to us? It's our term of the week. All right, so the term I have for you guys is aggregates. Aggregates. So aggregate is a term used when a team is in a knockout phase of a tournament, whether that's Champions League, uh, Europa League, um, two games. So two teams play two games, one game at home, one game away. Aggregate refers to the total score over those two legs or two matches. Um, So, for example, I'll give you two examples. This year in the Champions League, uh, quarterfinal, Manchester United and Barcelona played. Yep. In the first leg, Barcelona won 1-0. In the second leg, Barcelona won 3-0. So the aggregate was 4-0, 4-0. Okay. 
So it's just the total score over two matches. Yep. Now, aggregate becomes a little tricky when the aggregate is tied at the end of those two legs. Um, so again, for example, Tottenham and Man City, quarter, uh, Champions League. Um, first game was 1-0 to Tottenham. Second game was 4-3 to Tottenham. So the aggregate ended up being 4-4. Four four. So that's where away goals come into play. And whatever team has more away goals ends up having the advantage of winning. So What happens if Tottenham wins 1-0 away and then Man City wins 1-0 away? So they have, they have a tied score with the same amount of away goals. In that case, it goes to extra time. Okay, yep. and then it extra just time. is a normal ex- two then, extra times and then shootout or something yep. like that. Yep. Okay. Penalties if not from there. So yep. the officials know going into that final game, hey, if this is the score at the end of regulation, we got to keep going? Or do yeah. they just call the game like normal and then someone like up in the press <laughs> yeah. box is like a giant flag, they're like, no, well, no! I think everyone knows. Like, like I think you go into the fans, everyone knows. Like, okay, we have to win – if they score a goal, then we have to score two goals. Yes. And we can't just win 1-0. We have to win 2-1. to one. Like, Well, in the second leg of that Man City-Tottenham game, was crazy. I was listening to it. And, you know, there was so many goals within, like, the first 15 minutes, right? But the, the broadcasters were having a hard time, like, with the different scenarios. Like, okay, now it's 2-1 Man City. Uh, that means that Man City's going through on away goals. And then the other guy's like, no, 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 Tottenham's actually still... Like, they were confused. Uh-huh. And then when the score kept getting higher and higher, it was like, they, they finally kind of had it. But, like, it was kind of confusing for them. Yeah. And even last year, I remember in the MLS playoffs, they did uh, aggregate. They had two legs. And the Timbers players at the end of that match thought that they had won on away goals, but they hadn't. It was actually extra time, but they were celebrating. I remember seeing won. that. Yeah. So even for, you know, that's the MLS playoffs. But... Um, so it can be really confusing sometimes, especially when the score gets high. Yeah. That away goal, that away goal rule can be a little tricky for people to keep keep up with. So. Yeah, my my coworker is a big Liverpool fan, so we're always talking. I mean, obviously Liverpool is having a great season, so we'll talk about their different matches. They've had a successful um, Champions League run up until yeah. this last match, but <laughs> but yes. we would like talk about matches, and I think it was maybe their quarterfinals. They were tied 1-1 after the first leg. And he was, like, kind of disappointed. And I was like, well, a 1-1 is better. You know, we were, like, talking about how, like, certain scores, certain draws are better. Like, a 1-1 draw on the road is better, is almost better than a 1-1 at home. Yeah. Right? Because you've allowed an away goal. Yeah. You know, like there's these different uh-huh. things that matter on yeah. how many away goals you allow. Yeah. Well, even uh, today, the Arsenal and Valencia played the yeah. semifinals for yeah, the for Europa, Europa League. And yeah. I was watching uh, the post conference, and the Valencia manager, I was kind of surprised by what he said, but he was like, you know, two, we were down two to one in the 90th minute, and I would have been happy with that result. Um, but they end up losing. But Aubameyang scored right yeah. in, in the 90s. But even that idea of okay, we got our away goal, and then so if it was two one, and they go back home and win one nil, they win. They win. That's right because they yeah. had an away goal. Yeah, it's fa- that is so. It's so fascinating. You're happy with the one. You're happy with the defeat. Two one yeah, like defeat that. because you've uh-huh. at least scored away from home. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Nothing really like that in American sports. No. There's so much about there's so much about European football that is nothing like American sports. Yeah. But that's what's been fun about this learning. So Could you imagine if they did the aggregate in like the NBA? <laughs> That'd be super confusing. Wait, he just nailed that three. Wait, I, are they winning or like losing? The 76ers won by like 22 points tonight. <laughs> like, well, the Raptors need to win, but they need to win by 37 to take the aggregate. Yeah. They scored in in the away games, they scored 275 points. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that'd be a mess. That'd be too too difficult. You can only do that with soccer. Yeah, for maybe sure. maybe hockey, but yeah, baseball. You can do it with baseball. Maybe There's still a lot of runs scored if you're not a giant. If you're not the Giants, <laughs> that's my team. It's horrendous. All right, I digress. Nick, thank you so much for coming on. Nick, you can follow him on Instagram at, at Ol underscore Saint Nick. Ol Saint Nick didn't bring presents mm-hmm. for us other than a great interview. Uh, he also has a blog called Molt underscore Ing Molting. Uh, you'll have to search it to find out what that's all about. But Nick, thanks, man. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Our theme song is something elated by broke for free. Thanks to one mission, a community development organization, giving people in poverty, the opportunity to earn a house by serving their community. If you like these podcasts, go to onemission.org slash donate and make a donation to this great organization. 100% of your donation will go directly to projects and programs and be tied directly to a family. That's onemission.org slash donate. Recording, mixing, everything's done by me. Thankful for Chris being here this week to help out. And the intro, of course, done by my beautiful wife, Emily. We're on both iTunes and Google Play. Please rate us and comment if you enjoy the pod. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Football Neophyte. That's Football Neophyte without the E. We'll be back next week featuring our final team, Everton. Until then, grace, peace, and love. Lots of practice. I go.